On this episode of Trickle Down Theories, Mile Huddle Draft Analyst and co-host of the Huddle Up Draft Pod, Nick Kendall, joins me for the second round of our seven-round NFL mock draft. Hi, hello, and welcome back to the 1983 National Football League Draft. And with the first round, John Elway. Welcome in, everybody, to Trickle Down Theories with your host, Eric Trickle. NFL Draft. And with the first round, pick. Deion Sanders. I was kind of scared. I thought the show was going to take me. I would ask for so much money that I had to put me on layaway. Welcome back to the NFL Draft. Good young players with the drafts all about. Here in and you're out. Welcome back to the draft. Wide receivers running back. Tackle. Quarterback. Every year in the draft. There has been a trade. Ricky Williams. John Dolphin. On a shady Saturday. Welcome back to the draft. Good afternoon, morning, or evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Trickle Down Theories. I'm your host, Eric Trickle. On Trickle Down Theories, we talk about all things NFL. We talk about the draft, and we talk about all this with a small focus on the Denver Broncos, as I'm an analyst with MileEyeHuddle.com. We talk about anything and everything you can think of, signings, trades, rosters, team needs, all that jazz. Joining me today is a colleague of mine at MileEyeHuddle and another draft analyst. He also is the co-host of the Huddle Up pod with Carl Dummler that focuses on the NFL draft. Nick Kendall, how are you doing? I am doing okay. I had a frustrating day at work today, and this is day two in a row of the podcast, but getting everything done and in a line so that way I can enjoy myself for some pizza and drinks tomorrow night. So get ready for the weekend. You got any Easter plans yourself? I don't really have much Easter plans that I know of at this time. I'll probably just go over and see my mom for a little bit and hang out with her and let her hang out with Rosie. We have an adorable little dress for her that we're going to be putting her in. Uh, always a tradition in my family to dress up somewhat nicely for Easter, even though even though the full beliefs might not be there for the meaning of the holiday. We actually got a really cute little knitted stuffed elephant thingy for her first for Rosie's first Easter too. I'll send her send you a picture of it. It's adorable. Okay, sounds good. That's I've got no plans. I am girlfriend's going back. I'm probably just gonna stick up and take care of the cat and just watch college basketball this weekend. Well, as I said, is this episode is going to be con- a continuation of our seven round mock draft that we started last week with the first round. So if you haven't listened to it yet, make sure you go and listen to it. Otherwise, you'll be wondering why what's going on here. What's what's wrong with this? Obviously, full mock. Got to listen to every every part of it. So got to start off with the first part. No cheating, no skipping ahead. And as I said last week, which you would already know if you listened to it, Nick took 15 teams and I took 16. And the Denver Broncos have been a collective pick between the two of us. And we are making the picks based on the combination of things. What we think will what we think they will do, what we would do, a combination of the two things among some other things that we took into consideration as well. We're not going to go in super in-depth as to why we made the picks, but we will give a brief reasoning for it. So we're going to be kicking off the second round with you, Nick, and the Browns. Well, so far in the draft, the first round, the Browns took, of course, Sam Darnold. And with his next pick, they took Bradley Chubb. So rounding it out there. And with the pick 33... Uh, it might have been a little bit of a reach there, but it's a massive need, and he tested well at the combine. I know his technique isn't the best, but you know you got to take a swing at a tackle. And I went Colton Miller here. His tape improved as the season went along, and he's going to have to work on some of his issues. Some there's been a lot of things going around Twitter about his false steps in, in his past sets, but height, weight, speed, length, athleticism. I mean, it, he's got it in spades. So gotta gotta protect Sam Darnold, and I think Colton Miller's got a chance to be a pretty good tackle in this league if he fixing some of those kinks, but definitely some boomer butts there. And now height, weight, speed is a receiver thing, not a tackle. 
he does fit that mold though. What is he? Yeah, like, yeah he's, he's got the good size and he's got decent quickness and athleticism for the tackle position. I do have an issue with his footwork. So this is a little bit of a reach for me, but overall it's in the kind of draft class we have for the tackles. It's not a bad pick. The Giants are up next. And for them, I took Sam Hubbard, the edge from Ohio state, not the best pass rusher in the world but he is a pass rusher he's not a he's not the batman type he's more of the robin you got to have the better pass rusher opposite him to take the pressure off of him and let him kind of do his own thing he's got decent athleticism he's decently agile and he's he's able to get after the quarterback as i said and he does a decent job at setting the run he's able to extend his arms and get underneath whoever his blocker is whether whether it be an offensive tackle or a tight end, he's able to get up underneath him and set the edge for him. And with the Giants moving on from Jason Pierre-Paul, they need another guy. Obviously, as I've stated multiple times already, he's not the number one guy, but it gives them someone that they have on the roster to help get after the quarterback anyways. All right. Well, I am back on the clock with the Browns again, and I went with Nick Chubb, running back from University of Georgia. He had that Horrific knee injury not too long ago, but he's played two seasons since then. He's looked better and better each consecutive season, and he tested great at the Combine. There are some questions about his ability as a pass catcher, as a pass blocker, because that was more Sonny Michelle's role at Georgia, but Nick Chubb tested bigger, and I think he tested more athletic at the Combine, and he pairs very well with Duke Johnson in that backfield. Maybe a little bit similar to Carlos Hyde, but I don't see Carlos Hyde as a long-term option, and I'm just trying to fill the best I can with these two picks here around Sam Darnold and make that team at least young, give it a good young offensive core. And they got Njoku there. They got Jarvis Landry. They got Colton Miller now, and now Nick Chubb. So it's a pick that makes sense to me. And just best thing for a young quarterback besides a good offensive line is a good running game. So Nick Chubb for the Browns here. Next pick, I have the Colts again. Colts have a plethora of second round picks thanks to their trade with the Jets where they swapped from the third pick for the sixth pick. And with this one, I go with Ronnie Harrison. He's kind of a box safety linebacker hybrid. Honestly, wouldn't be that surprised if he ended up ended up the better player in that Alabama secondary. I like Minka, but I think Ronnie Harrison has a more defined role coming into the league. And they Colts have needs everywhere. Honestly, their board should just be best player available, available no matter what, because the roster is that bad. I guess outside of quarterback, but Odds are the best player on the board. They're not going to be a quarterback, so don't have to worry about that. Colts again with the next pick, and I went with another Alabama guy, Calvin Ridley. Maybe a little bit similar to T.Y. Hilton, but he was the best wide receiver I had on my board here. Some people were talking about him as a top 15 player before the draft or before the combine, and he measured a little smaller, a little slower than you want, but his tape, he still runs good routes, has good hands, and you got to help Andrew Luck there. So got another good player there for him. So Ronnie Harrison and Calvin Ridley, two Alabama boys, to the Colts with two back-to-back picks. Yeah, I like all those picks a lot, especially the Nick Chubb to the Browns, giving them that reliable running back as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah. Next up were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I ended up taking Stanford safety Justin Reed. He's the younger brother of veteran safety Eric Reed, who is still looking for a job in the NFL. And you can say one way or the other, I, I don't care about your stance on it, but the fact that he's kneeling during the anthem is part of the reason for it. Anyways, Justin Reed... The Bucks need another safety to pair with their current safety that they have back there. He's a young guy, and I just can't remember his name off the top of my head. I had it when I started talking, though. And they tried TJ Ward, and he ended up being part of a rotation with another guy who just wasn't cutting it. They go and get 
their number two safety out there to put on the field. He can come down and play close to the box. He's got decent enough range to play and cover and decent enough skills and coverage to help cover the running backs and tight ends. And that was an issue that the Bucks had last year as well. They were one of the worst teams when it came to covering tight ends. So, And then the Bears after them took Jamarcus Jones, another Ohio State player, this time an offensive tackle. He's he's a guy that I don't see a very high ceiling on, but he's kind of a safe pick. He just does a lot of things very well, not a lot of things great. He's got decent athleticism, and while he may not be the best scheme fit for what the Bears want, it's he's one of the best tackles that was left on the board at this time and gives them an offensive tackle because one of their guy one of their tackles is coming up on the end of his contract. Um either after this year or the year after. And he hasn't been playing so well, so he may be getting moved anyways. But they gotta go give some get somebody to help protect that young quarterback of theirs that they moved up last year to get in Trubisky. So that's the reason for that pick. And the Broncos again, it was a collective between both Nick and uh, Nick and I, and we had them taking Baker Mayfield in the first. So they don't have they don't have many needs left really. They can use they can use some receiver help, a cornerback, um, defensive back help maybe. Not so much a safety now that they traded for Sua Cravens. Linebacker help, tight end, you know, just a few depth things. But the only real big need need that they have is they got to get a receiving tight end, a number one guy that they can use. They've kind of been missing that tight end presence. With that There's said, we have- class. There's not a single one in this class that I'd trust. I I think this tight end class is not great. I think it's more of a lot of number two guys. I think there might be one with a number one potential with Dallas Goddard, but he's got, he's got a little bit of work to get there. So, but with that all said, we ended up going offensive guard, a guy I absolutely love out of Nevada in Austin Corbett. I don't know what your opinion is of him, but he's a first round pick in my book. And a lot of Bronco fans are on the Will Hernandez hype train. And in this mock, he went in the first round. And even in the first round, I would, I would make an argument for taking Corbett over Hernandez anyways. I would take Hernandez over Corbett. I think Corbett's a little bit more, he can translate a little better. I think he does have some tackle potential as well, honestly. He's has some decent arm length and he played well there at Nevada. But personally, I think I would put Hernandez there. And earlier, just to bring it back, you said the Bucks taking Justin Reed. They took Justin Evans last year from, Tampa, yes. from uh, Texas A&M. But yeah, um, I like the pick of Corbett. I think that he's going to be a solid player. And I think it's probably right around his range. I don't have him as a first round player, but I think he will go top 50 that's probably about where he should go so good pick here with the Raiders I'm on the clock next and I went with the best defensive back I had left on the board Mike Hughes from UCF his tape is better than his athletic testing but that's fine he sticks with guys he's got good ball skills very smooth I think he ran a four five which is reason that he's not a first round pick but I like him a lot and the Raiders need help all across that defense so getting a guy like Mike Hughes the uh, from the national championship uh, Central Florida team. It's a it's a good pick there in my opinion. Next one, honestly, the guy that the Broncos just brought in, and I was hoping that you would pick him over Corbett, but you didn't. So that's that's okay. But James Daniels from uh, the University of Iowa. I think he's probably I think he's the best center in this class. He's better in his own scheme long term, but he's I think he's one of the four youngest players in this class as well. He's going to be 20 when the league year starts and he's still filling out his frame, man. He moves so well. He's one of the better combo blockers in this class because he can get to that second level and seal off a guy like a linebacker as well as any center I've seen in a good while. And then I'm on the clock again with the Patriots and I went with the new Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Aletta. Kyle Aletta from Richmond had a good senior bowl campaign and there's some talk that some teams may take him in the first round. I don't think that will happen, but he's apparently a guy the Patriots have been linked with and interested in. So 
I bit the bullet and went quarterback there because Tom Brady can't play forever, despite what the TB12 method is putting out there, which I don't really buy. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> the next pick, I have the Washington Redskins. And again, we're going quarterback here. The guy that's a little bit early, but the Redskins have been linked with this guy. I think he makes sense for them schematically. And with Alex Smith there, he doesn't have to be thrown in right away. And that's Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State. In my opinion, more of a uh, Mike Glennon type. You know, the arm doesn't match the frame. And coming from a system that's very much the wide receivers were asked to make plays more than Mason Rudolph beating coverage with his arm. But that's that's okay. He's still going to go probably top 50 because the demand for quarterbacks always going to be there. And he's put up some pretty good tape. And it's a good chunk of tape as well, a good number of games. So Mason Rudolph to the Redskins. I still have two more picks here. The Packers. I honestly, a lot of people are saying Packers, Packers going defense all around. I really think they should focus on the offensive line. Aaron Rodgers is getting older. He's coming off an injury. And that to me means you take a good offensive lineman and just protect the franchise, protect most talented quarterback in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers. And Braden Smith is the guy here. I think he can play some right tackle, but he played guard. He looks, he tested very well at the combine too. I was surprised, honestly. I didn't think he would test that well. And his tape is his tape is solid. I think there'll be a little bit of trans- transition there as he moves from that weird spread run offense that Auburn runs where it doesn't, has, doesn't ask him to do much as far as pass sets. But I think he has the skill set to be a pretty, pretty good guard. And he could potentially be a tackle as well. Maybe even, you know, probably three positions across the offensive line. So definitely helps Aaron Rodgers there. And, and you got to protect the franchise. Next pick, Bengals. They got to really add to some defense there. They've had some transition on the defense here over the past few seasons. And I went with one of my favorite linebackers in this class in Fred Warner from BYU. He's had some injury issues, but he flies around. He's very smooth in the back end. He can cover guys and man, he's good in zone coverage. And if, if he can stay healthy, he could end up being one of the better linebackers in this class, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like all those picks. And James Daniels, as you kind of touched on, I just feel that he's better for his own scheme, and that's not what Denver runs. So that's one reason why uh, Corbett was the guy over him, in my opinion, for the Broncos. Laletta and Rudolph, I think those are also both really good picks. They fit with the what the team wants and needs. I agree with you that the Packers need offensive line, and Fred Warner, I think, is probably the most underrated player in this draft. I think that he is borderline first-round talent because he's just really good. Yeah, no. I, he did not get enough talked about. I feel like I was a big Leighton Vanderich guy. I still like him, but honestly, I, I think Fred Warner probably should go before him, depending on the medicals. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far about Leighton Vanderesh going after Fred Warner. I think Leighton Vanderesh is good, but or is a little bit better, but Fred Warner is not too far behind. So I can see the argument for it. Now, the next two picks are the Cardinals and the Chargers, both of them made by me. Cardinals, I have them go on Jesse Bates, a safety from Wake Forest. He's another guy that I feel just isn't getting talked about enough. Those that are those people that are talking about him on Twitter, the draft Twitter, they're still talking about first round. And I, I'm not quite there, but I think that early mid second round is good value for him. And they need some safety help still. They can use some depth there. I know that their situation at safety isn't the best after having to move on from the honey badger. <laughs> And as for the Chargers, I have them go on Dante Pettis, a receiver from Washington. They have Keenan Allen. They end up losing one of their better receivers, and they have a former first-round pick as well, and Mike Williams. And there's not, from what I've heard, is that there's not a lot of hope in him anymore. So not sure what suddenly changed because they really liked him a year ago. Getting some more weapons for Phillip Rivers, helping that offense go. And especially with the health concerns that they have. Mike Williams, he's been injured a couple times. Keenan Allen's been injured a couple times. Their tight ends have been injured. 
Their running backs have been injured. Their offensive line's been injured. Everybody's been injured in the Chargers, basically. So they got to go get some added depth there. And <laughs> depth at receiver is a little bit thin. Dante Pettis can step in and really help on offense. He can do a lot of different things for you. He opens up the playbook a little bit, and he also brings value as a special teams returner. Maybe it's just me, but Jesse Bates really reminds me of Justin Simmons. Smooth I, guy. He's long. He's not the best as far as his long speed, but he can drop down play some nickel and he has good ball skills. Yeah. That's one of the guys that I see is a similar play style as Justin Simmons. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of him. I think you got him. You got him right as well. I think he should go after Reed and Harrison and all them. He's my fifth safety. And I believe that's where he went on this board. So I have the, I'm up with the Colts again and Colts just best player available. Carlton Davis here. Some people thought he might be a first round corner. He tested. Okay. He's got some freakishly long arms. He's one of those guys that could, scratch his knees without having to bend over. And he is one of the better press man corners in this class. In my opinion, he can ride guys out of bounds. He's very aggressive in the run game. He just has absolutely zero ball skills. So that's pushes him down the, this class, in my opinion. I mean, there's a reason that Josh Jackson is going so high. Josh Jackson has some serious flaws in his game, in my opinion. You know, he's still raw on his back pedal, played almost exclusively off the line. He doesn't have press skills right now. But his ball skills are superb. Honestly, if we could like do that fusion dance that they have in Dragon Ball Z with Carlton Davis and Josh Jackson, we're talking about the next uh, March on Lattimore. But unfortunately, you gotta gotta go with what we have here. So Carlton Davis to the Colts, good fit, and can pair him up with Quincy Wilson on the outside and add some more corners because they just they just need talent. And then the next pick, honestly, I wasn't sure exactly where to go with the Cowboys here in the first round. I had them going offensive line. I went with Isaiah Wynn, adding a strength to strength. But the next pick continued on that defensive or that trench warfare play for the Cowboys. And I went with Rasheem Green. Rasheem Green to me is a guy that his tape two seasons ago is better than his tape this season. And I was curious about that. And I asked around and apparently he played this season, almost the entire season with a pretty severe high ankle sprain that really affected his ability to anchor in the trenches. But he apparently is all healthy now, ready to go. And he tested freakishly at the combine. I think he was one of the better spark score athletes out there and to me Rasheem Green is the guy that the Broncos wish Demarcus Walker was you know that tweener type that's going to probably play that penetrating five technique kick out kick down to three technique in sub package and I I just think Rasheem Green is a better all-around athlete stronger overall I mean not as productive because Walker had a lot of sacks but that had a lot to do with sweat and naughty being around him as well there so not going to get too much into hammering on Walker, but Rasheem Green's the pick there, and I I love going back-to-back trench picks with the Cowboys there. Yeah, and you may not want to go on, on it much. I don't want to talk about it too much with Demarcus Walker, but I just want to say that the other day when I think it was Vance Joseph was talking at the owners' meetings during the – I think it was the coach breakfast, and he's talking about Demarcus Walker playing that interior sub-package pass rusher, like rushing from the three-tech. The smile on my face was enormous because obviously – if you've been reading my work for a while, if you know my opinions on Demarcus Walker, that is where I feel it's best for him to succeed. So I think it's great that they, the coaches have seen that and that's what they want to do with him. Now, before we continue on with this mock, I just want to remind you listeners to please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter and anything other social media that you can think of. If it wasn't for you listeners, we wouldn't be here today. So Please go take the time, go just to iTunes and Spreaker, rate, subscribe, let your voices be heard on how much you enjoy listening to us talk. It's so much, so very appreciated by all of us. Puddle Up Pod 
podcast network, I guess, would be the best way to put it. You guys enable us to do something that we are that we love to do. We're passionate about it. If we weren't passionate about it, we wouldn't be able to do this anywhere near as often as we do. We wouldn't be able to put the time in to edit it, to just do all the work, all the research, everything that goes into each of these podcasts. So all we ask is that you help spread us around. And again, you guys don't know how much it means to us. Now, for the next, let's see, how many picks? Four picks, I think it is. Maybe five. My eyes, I can't quite remake it out from as far away from my computer screen as I am. They're all made by me, so you get to listen to me babble on for a little while. The first up's the Detroit Lions. I have them going big guy on their defensive line and Tim Settle from Virginia Tech. There's some concerns with him because at the Combine, he fell down a couple times during drills. And he didn't have, he just didn't have the best showing at the Combine either. But he's still, he's got... He's so good. He reminds me a lot of Vince Wolf. Will Fork, his build is very similar to him. They've got that fat middle there. It's not super, it's really flabby, kind of like my stomach. But <laughs> I just like what Tim Settle brings to the defensive line. And they and the Lions, they need help with that. Matt Patricia is their new coach. He got to work with Will Fork. So it, it it's a pick that makes a lot of sense to me. Following that up, the Ravens, they're going running back Ron Jones from USC. They have the other USC running back from a few years ago too, right? Allen, I think yeah. was his name. Yeah. But they, they don't have a number one guy, and Jones can bring that in. He's got a pretty good fumble rate. He doesn't put the ball on the ground all that often. And it gives them a running game because their style of offense is you run the ball and you throw it deep. So that's just what they want. Ron Jones can help them do that. The Bills, they go and get a tight end for whoever they end up having play quarterback for their future because it's probably not the guy that they signed. And that's Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. He's the only guy in this draft from at the tight ends, as I mentioned before, that I see that has number one tight end potential. A lot of his play style reminds me a lot of Zach Ertz. He just needs a lot of work to fully get there. And if he does get there, that'd be great. If he doesn't, he can still be a really solid number two guy that can wreak havoc as a receiver still. And then the Chiefs rounding it out. They need some help getting after the quarterback still. D Ford just quite hasn't panned out quite as much as they had hoped. Justin Houston's been dealing with a lot of injuries and has seemingly been on a decline. But they go with Agbanya Okoronkwo. Is that how you say his name? Nailed it. Yes. The edge from Oklahoma. I know a lot of people talked about having a move to off ball, and I think that'd be a mistake. This guy's a rusher. You want him attacking. You want him getting after the quarterback and helping against the run. And he, he can do all that pretty well. I mean, obviously, with every single player, there's stuff that he needs to work on. He can do stand to get a little bit stronger when he has to set the edge to defend the run. But he's solid enough at it. And it gives them a guy that they can use and plan for the future as they are on a kind of a hopeful to be short-term rebuild for the Chiefs team as they're likely to take a small step back at the least with the moves that they've made with Marcus Peters on the move with Alex Smith and going down to the now second year um, second year player who's only played one game in Patrick Mahomes. So Okoronkwo gives them that pass rusher that they need for and potentially allows them to move on from Justin Houston in the future. Not bad, not bad. I like all these picks. Ronald Jones, I'm curious to see what he's going to run when he finally can. Tim Settle, he was a guy that I liked a lot coming in. He had flash potential. I know he's one of the younger players in this class, but man, he was, he, he looked sloppy. I'll be honest. And he did not test well, but you know, that's, yeah, guys like that in the league that are making big money, but there's definitely some concern there for me. The next pick with me, I have the Panthers here. Then it's back to Eric. Cause I had that huge run of picks in the middle. I went with BJ Chark. They have Norv Turner coming in, and Norv Turner has a classic downfield passing attack where he has that one guy with some decent size, but 
above all else, deep speed. You know, they can stretch the defense. And DJ Chark, I see him. He tested great at the combine. He's didn't have the best chance at LSU to show off because his quarterback play was not great. But he was one of the standouts, in my opinion, at the Senior Bowl and a guy who's risen steadily through this pre-draft process. So I think he's a good fit here and gives Cam a different type of weapon than they have had in a while. They did sign Torrey Smith, but I don't see Torrey Smith as a long-term option there. So DJ Chark can really help Cam show off that gigantic arm and stretch teams vertically. Even with Torrey Smith, his deep ball play wasn't the best last year, even though he has been basically a deep ball threat his whole career. As I mentioned with the Ravens, that's basically, he was fit into that offense so well because it's run the ball and throw it deep. But he's just turning 30 or just turned 30 or something like that. And even still, the Panthers still need more receiver help than just Torrey Smith. I absolutely love this pick of Chark to the Panthers. Next up, I have a few picks here. The Bills are going offensive line. Martinez Rankin from Mississippi State. He can play every team that I've spoken with. Uh, somebody from they believe that he can play all five positions on the offensive line. The Bills need a center with Eric Wood having to be forced to retire, which is really unfortunate. I absolutely loved watching Eric Wood. He wasn't ever the best guy, but he was really good. And they can use some help on at guard. Tackle is about the only place that they're really set with because Deion Dawkins surprised me tremendously with his play at left tackle, and they've got a couple guys who they're going to let compete for the right tackle spot so Rankin's getting moved inside where I think he might be best at and I think he would be best at center and he would fit with the Bills tremendously Titans follow up with Harrison Phillips a defensive lineman from Stanford I know I'm higher on him than you are Nick but he fills a need that the Titans have they have Jarrell Casey but they still can use some help on the interior of their defensive line and he's a guy that he can he's not a top end pass rusher, but he's a guy can, who can help push the pocket. And he's a guy who will be solid and defend the run. He's not a super fancy, shiny pick, but he's a good overall football player that you just kind of want on your team. And his like his football IQ is tremendous. And then Falcons, they go get another receiver. Mohamed Sanu is good at what he does, but they can still use some added help there. And they lost Taylor, Taylor Gabriel, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yep. So they can still they can use that third receiver too, and they can move Sanu around. But James Washington from Oklahoma State with this year's receiver class, the receive the top of the receiver group, it's so cluttered, and nobody's going to have the same rankings on them. They're going to be very different. I'm sure I can find 15 different receiver, 15 different guys, and our receiver rankings will pro- might have for the top 10 might have three guys in the same spot. It's just such a cluttered group at the top. There's no standout top guy in this year's class so somebody's gonna fall james washington falls a little bit i think he's worth about a early to mid second round pick and he falls to the late second here to the falcons giving them another weapon that they can have and making that passing game even more potent all righty all righty well i am on the clock now with the 49ers and i feel like i maybe went a little bit of a reach here but i'm a big fan of this player quentin meeks cornerback from stanford he does have some issues with some balance i noticed on tape he ends up on the ground more often than he should but as a press man corner and with ball skills, I mean, they didn't really even throw at him at Stanford. And his father is a defensive back coach in the NFL. And he's a smart kid, you know, one of the better tape guys in the entire class. So Quentin Meeks, 49ers, he's a local kid. And I just think you know, they, have, they have a fair amount of picks. And it just, it just makes sense to me. So Quentin Meeks here for the 49ers helping add to that, that back end. I'm actually shocked you didn't mention one thing with Meeks. Do you know who he's compared to most by in NFL circles? Richard Sherman. Huh. Interesting. Who do, who do the 49ers have? Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman. I think 
I think it, yeah, it's perfect. And he's going to be able to learn from Richard Sherman. I don't think that it's the, the Richard Sherman comparison is a perfect one for Meeks, but I do see the similarities there. And even still, Meeks is a smart guy. Sherman's a smart, super smart guy. You can talk about him being stupid all you want, but this guy, Richard Sherman is brilliant. If you ever listen to him talk about anything, it just shows. And pairing those two and letting Richard Sherman work with Meeks would be, I think, fantastic. Both Stanford kids, too. Yeah, I think that it's just, it's a perfect pick, really. And I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers try to move up for him to secure him, because from what I've heard is that there's teams interested in him in the middle second round, so... Nice, nice. As for the Steelers, they can use some added help getting after the quarterback. Their Bud Dupree, their former first-round pick, hasn't exactly lived up to expectations. And they've kind of – I mean, they have T.J. Watt there, but outside of him, the edge power there is – it's just okay. And and T.J. Watt even plays a little bit inside. He kind of moves back and forth a little bit. So Duke Edgeo 4 from Wake Forest gives them that added power. He kind of fits the mold of what the Steelers want from their edge guys, a little bit bigger. Bud Dupree was a kind of an outlier with his size, but he's not the best ending up, so they'll have to work with that. Yeah. But they go get an edge that they kind of need. And I actually was considering I was actually considering the next pick for the Steelers too, and that's another edge player with Arden Key to the Jaguars. Arden Key, he falls for me a little bit because he just kind of lacks the, uh, I don't know, there, there were some issues. He quit the team and then he came back. His weight fluctuated a lot this last year. He's better when he plays bigger. He showed up to the combine a little bit light. So teams got to sit there and work with him and make sure he keeps his weight in check at the right weight. And from what I've heard is that they want him between about 250. They don't want him at under 240 like he showed up at the combine. I think he came in at 238. So that's something that they have to keep an eye on. Jaguars, they got to get a little bit better getting after the quarterback from the edge. They've got the interior pressure down, but having that guy who can take over the game from the outside, and then basically you have the 2015 Denver Broncos defense there. They've got the secondary that kind of matches up with them. They've got the interior pressure. The linebackers can use a little bit of help still, and getting and their edge guys can use a little bit of help. Arden Key does that if they can help him reach his potential. And they've got some good guys on that roster a mix of veteran veterans that are on second contracts and younger guys who are still on the rookie contracts to sit there and help him keep his weight in check and some of these other things in check with him as well. Alrighty. Well, we're going to keep the, the edge trend going here with the Vikings. I have them going Josh sweat edge from Florida state. If it wasn't for some questionable medicals, Josh sweat, I think would be a top 40 pick. He still might be, he might honestly be a first round pick given the need for edge rushers and how freakishly he tested with his size. He is a definitely still a ball of potential. He didn't really live up to it fully at Florida state. Granted, they kind of had a weird scheme going on last year and they just kind of fell off, but sweat's a very interesting guy. And I think that he's going to have a lot of suitors. Honestly, I, I think he's rising. He seems like he's been raising a lot of people that I respect to have, Pretty high opinions of him. So Josh Sweat here for the Vikings makes a lot of sense. He's not a perfect, you know, 4-3 scheme fit, but you're not sure what's going to happen with Hunter going forward and teams just adding edge rushers. I mean, when you're you're as good as the Vikings are and as complete as they are, take guys at value positions that you think can, you can develop into something and potentially offer you some depth if you lose a guy going forward. So Josh Sweat makes a lot of sense. Oops, sorry, go ahead. Also with Sweat is that... Didn't he tell you at the combine that he prefers to be in a 4-3? He did, yep. He says he prefers to play with his hand in the dirt. Yeah. And then the other defensive end for the Vikings, I can't remember his name, Brian... Robinson? Yeah. He said that he's going to be retiring soon, so... 
Yeah. That's another thing that they got to keep an eye on as well. And so. they paid Everson Griffin, who's one of the better edge rushers in football, one of the more underrated guys. But Dan- Daniel Hunter, LSU guy, I think went in the third round, and he's been a really good edge rusher for them. But he's set to be a free agent after next season, and they just paid Kirk Cousins. So, you know, you can't you can't pay everybody when you're paying a quarterback that much money. So Josh Sweat's a guy that could transition and take over the starter, and I think he's got super, super big potential. And that, then, Sorry, go ahead. That and Anthony Barr as well. And yeah. so with how they do it, the Vikings and their defense is Josh Sweat. He's got that. He's got the pe- ability. I've heard to drop back in coverage. He can move into that Anthony Barr role. It won't be perfect, but if they want to get him on the field, they can do that. They can have him a blitz from there. They can have him do certain coverages from there. It's just, and then you need, you need multiple guys to be able to get after the quarterback. How many was it that the Eagles had like eight pressures on the quarterback or whatever it was, or eight guys with 20 pressures or something like that. Yeah, eight guys with 20-plus pressures last season. Yeah, you got to have multiple guys to do it. And Sweat, again, I think it's a really good pick for the Vikings just because it gives them yet another guy to get after the quarterback. Yep, and then our fourth edge rusher in a row, Patriots are on the clock, and Patriots have a – Patriots are weird because they have, like, the smallest draft board of any team in the league. Like, they only have, like, 75 guys compared to the Cowboys who have, like, 500 guys apparently. But they – Patriots had some issues last season getting after the quarterback. They got exposed – in that regard, in the Super Bowl. So I give them Dorrance Armstrong here, a guy who kind of had a tale of two seasons last year. He struggled in getting after the quarterback last year, granted a lot of it because they get behind early and he got a lot of attention, but he really improved his ability as a edge defender in, in terms of the run game. So Dorrance Armstrong is a guy with a good skill set, and I think probably this is about his range. A team like the Patriots, again, Teams that are in the playoffs that have not a lot of pressing holes in their roster, they take value positions. So as you can see here, we got the Steelers, Jags, Vikings, Patriots, edge rusher, edge rusher, edge rusher, edge rusher. So I, it's unfortunate because that's a very important position. And I'm, I'm honestly getting a little bit nervous about the Broncos there because after Von Miller, Shane Ray might not get that fifth-year option and Shaq Barrett's a free agent next year. So <laughs> Broncos might need to dip their toe in the edge, edge rusher market too. And then finally, the last pick, the Browns. First had the first pick this round, had the last pick, and I give them Christian Kirk. Now that kind of takes them off the OBJ market. You know, this we did this before the OBJ rumors came out, so we'll see what happens there. But Kirk had his pro day, I think it was yesterday, and apparently he did pretty good. We're getting the ball from Johnny Manziel. Didn't have the best combine, not the best season, but his quarterback play was atrocious. They had a true freshman in there who was more running back than quarterback, kind of what Alabama's been the past couple of years too with uh, Hurts. But, you know, what can you do? Christian Kirk is an interesting guy, dynamic player, and gives the Browns just another weapon to help Sam Darnold. So that's that's the theme there for the Browns. Three offensive picks here in the, the second round, and every single one of them could help Darnold next year. Yeah, those last two picks, Dorrance Armstrong to the Patriots, it's another good one. They've liked a pass rusher, and they got to go get a guy. As you said, he wasn't the best against getting after the quarterback last year due to other circumstances, but he improved his run defense. He still got serious potential to get after the quarterback. And then Christian Kirk getting another receiving weapon. Man, that that offense can be something special if they if the first two rounds turn out something like this. Like it, it can be so much fun to watch, and it can be an instant turnaround for the Browns. Like, why do the Browns even need to trade down from four? They already have all these picks. They just might as well stay there and not have a team jump the Broncos. Yeah, that's why, from what I've heard, Jimmy Haslam wants to stay put, is he wants to just make the picks and go get the talent. I mean, obviously, if somebody's going to come in and offer a ridiculous offer, you're going to take it. I mean, if somebody's going to sit there and give you three first-round picks for to move up to four, or four first-round picks to move up to one, or whatever it is, maybe even two first-round picks to get up to four, plus, obviously, other stuff, like, you got to consider it. Right? Yeah. 
but I think they're best suited to just stay and put. The Browns, they're going to be able to have so much fun. And I think the Col- Colts can too with how many picks they have after that Jets trade. Honestly, the guy that I have the highest on my board that went the lowest is James Daniels just because he's my number one rated center. He's a first-round pick, and I think he has Buko potential. And I think he could be a end up being a top five center in the NFL by the end of his rookie contract. I think he's he has a chance to be very very good. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree, and I'm not surprised you went with the Iowa boy. He's being slept on, and it's not even him just being an Iowa boy. It's just I think <laughs> I think his tape is. I understand he's more scheme specific, but I think he can play guard or center, and his I think his potential is super super high. Yeah, it's definitely, I definitely agree. And while I think he is limited to his own scheme, he does have that position versatility. Three, the three spots on the interior, you can plug him in and you can be happy with him. Now, big news of the day. We're not going to continue to not talking about the mock draft. We're going to move on to some, some Broncos news. Obviously, everybody's probably heard it by now, but they made the trade for Sewell Cravens. Now, I'm going to toot my own, my own horn for a little bit. Back when the news first came out, I told people that it was for two, that Denver's offer revolved around two fifth-round picks, one this year, one next year. And while the trade ended up being more than that, the value is not too – it's pretty similar to that. And But I will say is that I was told a week ago that this trade was off. Basically, it was off when Darian Stewart saw his money, his money guarantee – but Denver can still get out of him with the trade post June first. It's a relatively cheap cap hit. They're able to trade him for for and free up four point five million while taking one point four million in dead money. So that is something to keep an eye on, especially with them viewing him as a safety and they want to get him on the field as much as possible. So they're not gonna move Justin Simmons, but the veteran, twenty nine years old, free up some extra money. So that's one thing, one name to keep an eye on. Now, as for the trade details, Denver Denver swapped their fourth round pick, which was ninth in the the ninth pick in the fourth round, to the Redskins for which was the thirteenth pick of the fourth round. Then they swapped the fifth round picks, and Denver ended up moving seven round, seven picks down from there. And then they traded the pick that they got from Ty Sambrello with from the through the Falcons to them and they're also sending a conditional sixth round pick when it's all said and done the value for Sua Cravens is about like the 32nd overall pick of the fourth round or something like that when you look at a pick value chart and everything so it's I think it's a really good deal I don't think it's a steal by any means because there is some risks with Sua Cravens he's only played 216 snaps in the NFL he sat out last year there was talk of him retiring there was concerns about his concussions so obviously there's some concerns there, but if he's able to reach his potential, it gives him a guy who can help cover running backs and tight ends, and it can help out the defense a lot. Yeah, I'm, I like him a fair amount. I think he was a little bit overrated in the draft process. He didn't test the best. I always thought he was a little bit stiff. I mean, he, he was a guy that tested poor compared to linebackers, even though he was a safety, if that makes sense. Like he just, he never really had that explosiveness, but when you're in that part of the field, you can get by with solid athleticism as long as you have instincts and fluidity. And to me on tape, at least at USC, I didn't really watch him much 
when he played for the Redskins, but he had that at USC. So Yeah, I agree. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Trickle Down Theories. Please leave a like and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH and my own at Eric Trickle. You can always reach us there with any kind of question, and we're always willing to respond. We love the interaction with you fans, listeners, and readers of our content. And as I said before, it's without without your support, we wouldn't be be where we are. So we thank you tremendously. Also, please follow at Huddle for all of our written work from MileEyeHuddle.com, at HuddleUpPod for all the podcasts, and they tend to be focused more specifically on the Denver Broncos. Always keep an eye out. I do Periscopes every so often as well, and you can reach me on there to talk about and ask any kind of question that you want, and I'll try to answer them the best I can. Anyways, I had a great time with you, Nick, and... I'm sure I'll have you on again in the future. For Nick, I'm your host, Eric Trickle. Thank you for listening to Trickle Down Theories and have a wonderful day. Mile high huddle.